This is WFA Talks. I'm Greg Collard, the news director at this radio station, and I'm joined by assistant news director Lisa Worf. Hello, Lisa. Hello. You're in a you're in a different location. Usually, are how you feel over there? Oh, I, I behind a couple computer monitors, so uh, I feel <laughs> secluded over here. Yeah, feels weird. But, to, feels weird good. to talk to you, but you know, I'm glad. The reason you're over there is because we have a different guest here than usual. Ben, ben Bradford's not here today, but we have a great replacement because she has been covering uh, the biggest story of the last, uh, really, last month or so, and one of the biggest stories of the last couple of years, the Randall Carrick case. Then that's been in trial now. So two two months, two weeks of of jury selection. Now we're entering the. Finishing up the second week of testimony. So. Exactly. Hello, Gwendolyn. I should say that first. <laughs> uh, you're you're um, you're here today in, in part just uh, Duncan is covering some things to, for you today. You've had some late nights. It's a lot of them. Yes, there have been late nights. The court is usually adjourned at five o'clock, but then of course it's back to the station. Yes, for writing. Yes, tracking <laughs> all the fun stuff. After being in court, and sometimes uh, there's interesting things, but. Also, sometimes there's just, be honest, some boring things that take place, too, in court, right? <laughs> some of it has been tedious, yeah. and uh, but I'm sure it's very important to the prosecution and oh, the absolutely. defense, so we have to sit through it. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been filing stuff in the day, and so you're, 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 you've worked a whole day by the time you have to come, come back to the office and file your, your uh, main story for the morning. It's a lot to deal with. So you're, you're heading right out of here after, uh, after t- we record this. I am. So well, let's get going then so <laughs> well, Gwen- Gwendolyn can go home. Yes. <laughs> so uh, what are your thoughts about this trial? I mean, any surprises? Well, from the beginning, I really expected that there would be a lot of people at the courthouse outside, demonstrators, because this case has gotten a lot of publicity, a lot of media coverage, and they've they've had rallies leading up to this. So, yes, I was very surprised that on day one that there were not more demonstrators. There were probably a handful outside the courtroom, and I know they did have a rally at Marshall Park, but I expected more in the court. And in the courtroom itself, I was expecting that I would have to probably try to fight to get a seat in the Mm -hmm. courtroom, but that was not the case during the jury selection. The family, of course, was there. The family of both sides, Jonathan Farrell's family was there. Some of uh, Randall Carrick's family, they were also there. But it didn't get crowded in terms of the courtroom until witnesses began to testify. And the family has been there every single day? Yes, the family has been there. Uh, Jonathan Farrell's fiance has been there. Randall Carrick's family has been there. And um, they have, um, at times, Jonathan Farrell's family have been given, they've been given warnings by the judge when certain graphic photos have been shown. And sometimes they will just get up and walk out when I guess it becomes a bit hard for them to uh, listen to some of the testimony. At times there have been some interesting uh, uh, motions or debates, uh, arguments back and forth between prosecution and defense over what, how many graphic photos to show jurors? That has been um, something that has been going on from time to time because the prosecution, of course, wanted to enter more photos than the defense wanted allowed entered as uh, exhibits. And some of those photos showed uh, Jonathan Farrell lying on the ground with his with his hands behind his back, handcuffed, and he was obviously deceased at this point. The judge did allow a few of them in, but not as many as the prosecution. And at those times, that's when some of the family members, you you would see them crying because 
as they were talking about these photos, at one point, one of the photos was up for a long time when they when the attorneys were asking questions about, and especially of the officers, where were they in relation and and, and, and different questions. So, the uh, fiance, his fiance, and family members sometimes would would leave. Also, the video itself, when the video was shown, the dash cam video that was taken at the scene, that was uh, hard for some of the family members to see. And the mother was, his mother, who's been there just about every day, she was not in court when that was initially played. Did you get any sense about how uh, Jonathan Farrell's family, whether they wanted those photos to be part of evidence or not? I mean, I know they didn't want to see them. No, I didn't because... I've yeah. only talked to the family briefly. They have a public relation person who sometimes steps in front of them when people try to talk to them. And also when they are going in and out of the courtroom, when they're leaving at the end of the day, they have a sheriff's deputy who escorts them out of the courtroom, out of the building, and also across the street. Do you, do you have a sense of who else besides reporters and, and the families are in the courtroom? There are a lot of people who are who are just very interested in the case. I have seen teachers bring students in. I've seen some people who are attorneys. I've talked to one man. He said that uh, he was a pastor from Manning, South Carolina, and he was very interested in the case, and he said he has participated at some of the rallies, attended some of the rallies, and he said that this case was something that was just a case that um, he was very um, upset about what happened, and he wanted to see how it played out in the court. I've seen uh, some others who are there because they said they just are interested in their, who live here locally. Uh, There was a young black African-American man who said that he was there to represent African-American men. And he's not pleased with some of the things that he says he's hearing in the court and some of the things that he's not hearing. Uh, But um, people like that are there. And again, as I said, there have been other classrooms that have come in from time to time. They don't stay the whole time. The the students, teachers who bring in students, they don't stay there for the entire day, but they come in and then leave. How old are these students? I've seen some. They look like they're middle school. Mm. And I've seen some a few look like maybe close to high school age. And otherwise, it's just business as usual at the courthouse. Any sense when you're outside the courthouse that the, the people are interested in this trial or when you're outside the courtroom? Well, I can't tell again, as I said, that I don't see okay. large crowds right. out there. Only difference is that on the entrance where you come in on the second floor, that's where all the news trucks are. So when you come in on that side, I've, I hear people, I've even heard some people say, what's going on? These news trucks, all of these news trucks, because every television station and cable and also some of the networks. Uh, Good Morning America has been sending somebody there every day. ABC News is there recording every single day. And all of those trucks are right out front. And some people actually say, what's going on? People who don't watch the, People don't watch the news. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. We've also gotten a couple <clears throat> calls from Nancy Grace, uh, her folks. I don't know if I've Recently? told you that. Yeah. Uh, I know they, they called uh, a couple months ago. Yeah. No, I took one today and there was one uh, several days ago. So I'm uh, sorry I didn't mention it to no, you. No, I, I told them before that uh, <laughs> we have absolutely no interest in, in participating on your show. Just yeah. point blank because it's a bad show. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> in my opinion. I was a little bit it does nice. not serve the journalist. I was a little bit nicer, <laughs> but I yeah. – 
I didn't say because it's a bad show to them. Oh, oh, I said said. no. I was very blunt and saying no. Just we have no interest in participating in your show. Okay, I see. (laughs) Back to the case. You mentioned some earlier about Jonathan Farrell having handcuffs. Why he was shot ten times? He was dead. Why were why were his hands tied? That's something I thought the prosecution was going to bring up, but they have not. So I don't know. The only thing that I do know that in testimony by some CMPD officers, they have said that they did not. The three who were on the scene said they did not handcuff him, but someone who came on after everything was over, a police officer, handcuffed him. He couldn't go anywhere because he's uh, he's deceased. So I don't know why they made that decision to handcuff him at that point. Before this trial, I had this image concerning that accident that he went off the side of the road, got stuck. The car was pretty mangled. Yeah, that was a surprise to me because I had the same feeling, too, that the car just kind of went off the road. But when they showed, it was on a two-lane road, and according to one of the police, there was not a center line in the road. It was very dark, very wooded, heavily wooded area. But the car went off the road and into the this heavily wooded area and when they showed the pictures the car was wedged between two trees they said it hit one tree and that then when it went between these other trees it that's when it was stopped the front of it was so mangled up tree limbs were in in looked like the radiator and looked like all of that area was pushed almost back to the driver's steering wheel. Under the car, there was a tree. The back of it had, had lots of damage. And the way it was wedged in between those trees, you couldn't open the passenger or the driver's door. The windshield in the front was broken out. The windshield in the back was also out. Now, they're saying that he kicked his way out of the windshield. That's what the prosecution is saying. But the defense is saying that... They don't think that was how it happened. And, the, yeah, the car was just, it, it was it looked like a horrific accident that happened. So wh- why are they spending so much time on that accident? Uh, the shooting happened happened later. Wh- why is the, the accident so important in this case? I think the prosecution wants to show that he was probably disoriented, may have been hurt. He may have had, you know, injuries from that accident and that that was why he was knocking on the door loudly when he went to the woman's home, Sarah McCartney, to for what they said was seeking help. She's the one who called 911. So she said that someone was knocking loudly on her door. And I think that's what they're trying to prove, that he was really in a state where he needed help. He did not have any shoes on. His shoes were found later in the car. His cell phone was found on the floor of the car. And the way the car was wedged, he couldn't get the doors open. So that's what they said. He kicked the kicked his way out. Then he walked in the dark. So I think that's what they, they want to prove. And the medical examiner said that he did not see any evidence of a concussion of on Jonathan Farrell when he during the autopsy, but he also said, had he lived long enough, that's not to say a concussion would not have developed. Well, now if he was dis, if he was disoriented, doesn't that does that not play into the defense at all? Because where they can argue this accident did, did cause him to act erratic, and which is why Officer Carrick felt the need to react the way he did. So far, from what I've heard, the defense hasn't focused on injuries he received, they focused more on the fact that he had had a couple of beers and the marijuana smoking 
which could have made him act erratic and the mixture of the two. That was one thing the defense got into the other day that they brought an expert who said, yeah, that could make someone behave aggressively. But then the the uh, prosecution came back and asked that same drug expert, say, but everybody reacts differently to drugs, to marijuana rather, and, and alcohol. And he said, yes. And two, he admitted, he said, well, I didn't know the quality of the weed he had because it's different quality on the street because some that's sold out there is oregano (laughs) and people smoke it anyway and think they're high so he said that he could not he would have to have seen him and known the quality of the marijuana he smoked and he also said that people who are who smoke marijuana he said um, they are more mellow and it's easier to get a confession out of them. So that that didn't work in the defense favor. I don't think they were expecting he would go that way with that. <laughs> were there more? Did that provide some moments of levity in the courtroom? Uh, no, no. Okay. It was. It was. I tell you what. What really uh, defense um, George Lauren. He's he's kind of I guess gotten more kind of uh, moments like that because. Everybody was tweeting when he said, uh, the hips don't lie. Everybody wanted to know, what did he mean? What was he talking about? But what he was talking about at the time, they have what they call shrimp, a shrimping movement when he said that Jonathan Farrell had, I don't know, fallen. or However, he ended up, you know, at Carrick's feet and that Carrick was using a shrimping movement to try to get away from him where you're on your hips and you are kind of, going backwards and pushing your legs at the same time as you're trying to move back on your hips. And uh, he um, said, um, the hips don't lie. And everybody was just kind of like, <laughs> what did he just say? Did he actually what just say that? About the, the... So they had, uh, they had the training expert, uh, Mike Campagna, on yesterday and the day before, right, for a good long bit. What was... What did he say as far as uh, when the prosecution was asking him? And then what was his message during the the cross-examination? Well, Campanius stuck to his assertion that he felt lethal force should not have been used. He said that officers, CMPD officers, are not trained to um, shoot someone who, just because someone pulls out a taser, that Carrick did not necessarily have to pull out lethal force, pull out his gun. And he said that in that situation where you obviously did not see a weapon in Jonathan Farrell's hands, that he should not have used force. Um, The defense has said, and they've brought out training tapes and other people who have said that in um, when, when Carrick worked in other cases that a superior said to him that if he sees his someone else, another officer on the scene with a taser drawn, that he should have pulled his gun. There was a case, an incident, a call that they answered where they thought somebody actually had a weapon because the guy would not take his hands out of his pants and told them he had a weapon. Both Carrick and the officer on that scene had, had uh, tasers drawn on this guy. And they said a superior told them, that um, one of them should have had lethal force. And he also testified and said that, yes, he did say that, but 
they actually thought this guy had a weapon. Mm -hmm. As opposed to seeing that Jonathan Jonathan Farrell Farrell did not have a weapon. Right, right. And as I said, Campagna, that was his thing, that you're not trained to necessarily, you know, the policy does not say, you pull a taser, I automatically pull a weapon. And now the defense, you know, reading one of your updates, actually requested that when Carrick testifies, that Mike Campagna not be in the room? Is yes, that right? yes, and he was the judge. The judge um, ruled in favor of the defense. They said that, according to the rules of this trial, that expert witnesses can only be in the court when other expert witnesses are testifying, not when fact witnesses are testifying. That's the way the judge put it. Okay. Any idea why the defense would request that? Well, he was in the courtroom, and the defense, I guess, immediately before anyone could testify that day said, asked that he be removed. You know, the defense, one thing they wanted to do was to take the jury to the scene at night during about the same time when this the shooting happened, and the judge did rule against that because the prosecution said, you know, we have lots of photos, and you didn't want us to enter photos. We have photos that were taken at the scene when it actually happened, during the time it happened, and the judge agreed and said, well, you'd have to look at the phase of the moon, you have to look at the lighting, you have to look at the markers are no longer there where cars were, so you're kind of estimating where this car was, that car was, and might be some distortion. So the judge agreed with the prosecution that that didn't need to happen, and the defense said, well, the jury needs to see that site because they haven't been allowed to go to the site, Mm -hmm. period, daytime or night. And the judge said he went during the daytime, and he went to the area where Jonathan Farrell was walking up from. He said um, he did during the daytime, but he said he didn't feel that was necessary because they had, you know, photos that gave accurate depictions of the scene that night. He went and did that before the trial? I don't know if he did it before. He didn't say if it was before or during the trial. He just said that he had gone to the scene, during, but it was during the daytime. Interesting. Yeah, and the and the jury is not allowed to go to the scene, right? No, they that's cannot. What... <clears throat> excuse me. No, they cannot go to the scene, and that's what the defense was saying that they should be able to see where this happened, the size of the space where all of this happened, where the ditches were, and that um, they felt like that that would give them a better picture of 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 uh, and and um, the defense made the statement: this man's. Uh, they're going to be deciding his liberty. They should be able to see where all of this happened. But the judge said no. Well, uh, Gwendolyn, Glenn, you've done a, uh, a great job. Thank you for yeah, thank hard you very work much, you've been Gwen. doing. And Thanks. you deserve a, a break <laughs> from <laughs> some of this. But uh, be, get fresh and be ready to get back at it on Monday. Okay, sounds <laughs> good. All right.